Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Bonafide Legal Podcast. I'm your host, Florence Bremer. Bonafide Legal Podcast is a podcast for attorneys and business owners and anybody else, really, who has issues with time management and working to live their best life. I'm a mother, a grandmother, a wife, a movie enthusiast, a fan of a great deal, a restaurant lover, a follower of many television shows, a self-proclaimed fashionista, and overall in love with popular culture. I've also been a lawyer for 22 years. It pains me to say that. It's crazy how much time has gone by. And throughout my practice, I struggled day by day to find balance between my work and my regular life. This week's podcast is going to talk about daily routines to manage manage chaos and burnout. So I know everyone has the same sort of issue going on right now, which is we're in the last quarter of the year. And as soon as October 1st rolls around for me, it's like the world is being fast forward. All the holidays are coming up. Halloween is a big holiday for me. There's still little kids in my life. I've always loved Halloween. I love that whole month of October. There's always fun fall activities. Then boom, right after that is Thanksgiving and then Christmas and New Year's and The last 12 weeks of the year is just crazy. So I wanted to get you up to date, first of all. And since the last two weeks since I've talked to you, I went to Halloween Horror Nights in Universal. Last year was skipped because it didn't exist um, due to COVID lockdowns. Universal Studios was closed, I think, for about a year. And they opened back up for Halloween Horror Nights. There is um, something that was missing from Halloween Horror Nights that I greatly enjoyed, and then some different changes that uh, were probably neither good or bad. But in previous years, so for Halloween Horror Nights, there's a variety of mazes that you walk through that are generally movie-themed. There's been ones in the past that are just uh, like universal monsters, so not necessarily a movie, but movie characters. Um, This year was, um, there'll also be horror TV shows too, like in previous years, there was an American Horror Story one. This year was The Haunting of Hill House, The Exorcist, Halloween 4, Bride of Frankenstein, Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So there was some pretty um, good ones. In previous years, The Shining was one of, was probably my all-time favorite. The movie Us, it was a close second. And so you walk around the mazes, uh, the rides are open. It's always very, very busy. They do it Thursday to Sunday. And um, a tip I'll give, if you can get to California, um, even twice, If you get the Universal Platinum Pass, it gets you into Universal. It gets you in for an evening of Halloween Horror Nights, but not on a Saturday. It it excludes Saturdays, so you can do Thursday, Friday, Sunday. It also gets you front-of-the-line passes for when you attend regular Universal, not for Halloween Horror Nights. It also gets you a discount on um, food and uh, merchandise. And if you go to City Walk, you can get a discount on City Walk um, restaurants and shops as well. 
So I have doing kind of like a basic calculation. <laughs> if you can go twice, like two days, you, you've it's sort of paid for the Halloween, or I'm sorry, for the Platinum Pass. So um, a few months ago, I bought a Platinum Pass as, as Halloween Horror Nights was um, approaching and it was and Universal was opening up like I wanted to get back there. I've already used it once. I went in August when I was in LA for another event and then made a stop at Universal and then went back last week for a trip to Halloween Horror Nights. Did something different that I've always wanted to do. So for this trip, um, what I've done in the past for Halloween Horror Nights is um, it's just an overnight. I fly in I hate early morning flights, so I take like an afternoon flight, go to the park, and stay there until I've done everything. Go home, go back to the hotel, get some rest, have a flight for the next day, not too early, maybe like a 2 p.m. or a 4 p.m., and fly back. And and you feel like you've been there for days because you are just cramming in so much stuff. So for this year's trip, in previous years, I've gone with my daughters and one of my nieces sometimes, and my two oldest daughters have babies now, so um, they didn't come, but I took my youngest daughter, who's in high school, and my sister-in-law went with me and her daughter, who is um, an adult. So it was the four of us, very much a girl's trip, um, very excited, you know, to go, and Arizona, you can fly to, um, here's a tip, if you're flying to Universal, fly into the Burbank Airport, it is, um, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes from Universal, very, very close, it's all in Burbank, and this time, and I've stayed at different hotels in the, you know, Burbank, Universal area, and this time I stayed at a property in Universal City, the uh, Sheridan Universal. Stayed there many times. Had not stayed there in a while. I had been staying at some of the other hotels in Burbank that are a little further from Universal because I had other things going on. So it was easier to s just stay not right next to Universal. But since we were going for this event and leaving. It just seemed like the thing to do. It's walking distance in a way, but not, but sort of a convoluted walk. And there's a shuttle that takes you from the hotel to City Walk, which is attached to Universal. So we flew in, um, checked into the hotel, dropped off our bags. It's like about 3 p.m. and headed right over to Universal and spent the last couple of hours of the day doing the regular things at the park, uh, doing a couple of rides, um, grabbed something slight to eat. I know coffee and something else. Oh, we stopped. There's like a little French bistro place and I had beignets and um, the others had different things. It was just a snack because I had decided to do something that I'd never done for you for Halloween Horror Nights before that I had always, always wanted to do. So there is a tour called the Rest in Peace Tour, and R the RIP Tour, they call it, which is um, similar to the VIP Tour that they offer during the days, but 
focused on Halloween Horror Nights. And I had wanted to do it in prior years, and um, the group that I was with uh, didn't really want to be tied down to a tour. We really weren't sure what it was like. They give you a description, but you don't know. It does cost. It's a you know a bit expensive. It was um, two seventy a person, and because I was in a smaller group, um, and we were able to split up the cost some, we we did it. Best thing we could have done for the evening. Uh, when we got there, it was a Thursday, um, and. It wasn't. It didn't seem too crowded when we got there, but by the like the closing time of the park where it closes, and Halloween Horror Nights opens back up, all of a sudden there was a million people there, just people everywhere, going in all different directions, and before all that, we thought, oh, it's a Thursday night. It's probably not even going to be that crowded. Um, it's not, it's a, still a few weeks before Halloween. Um, you know, really, are there going to be this many people? And there sure was. And before, um, before we were deciding whether to spend the money and do this, we were trying to see if, you know, in our minds, like, is this even going to be cost effective? Are we spending money when we don't even need to? And every year that I've gone, I've always purchased the front of the line passes. They call them express passes now because you really don't go to the front of the line. That was what they used to be called and that was kind of a misnomer. You went, you go through a different line and it does speed it up sometimes exponentially, but it doesn't necessarily put you at the front of the line. But I always did that because here's going to be something that may be very shocking to people. For some of these mazes, the weight is an hour if you're lucky. Um, if you are not lucky, the wait is two to three hours for a maze. This is only open until, I mean, it opens about six. Not everything opens at six. It closes, I think, at two or three, um, which is pretty darn late. And I guess if you were going to stay till two or three, you might be able to get a lot of things done. I don't, I've never stayed there that late. I I'm a lightweight. Staying there till one about kills me. So I can't imagine there being being there till two or three. But there are, uh, there were less mazes this year. I think in prior years, there was probably about 10 to 12 mazes. This was probably seven to 10. It was quite a few, um, quite a few quite a bit of a difference in the amount of mazes. There was this whole section of the park that used to walk, which didn't exist anymore. So there was a lot less walking. Uh, You would walk through this whole lower level and this big tunnel, and all of that was gone this year. It was actually kind of nice because it, it ends up just adding so much to your walk to get to this area and to not have that any, any longer was great because you do, you just walk and you walk and you walk. So anyways, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. But before like all of this started, I went into customer service and I said, tell me about the VIP RIP tour. Oh, you get dinner and you, you know, you're on a tour. And she was in a way very uninformative. (laughs) She um, didn't seem to know a lot about it. And I had like a lot of questions 
But um, I knew I, no matter what, I was going to get the express passes, which were 160, and you could get the RIP tour for 270, which included dinner and other stuff, which I still wasn't really clear about. So um, I said, what the heck? You know, and with other people who are also paying for themselves. Um, so it's, you know, when it comes down to just being a, it, paying for me and my daughter and my niece, just wasn't that expensive. Um, expensive for sure. Um, but for what you ended up getting, what we realized later, like very, very well worth it. So um, paid for the passes. They said, your tour is going to start at 640. So go to the lounge at 640 and or 615. And then they'll tell you everything. So we walked around the park, we did a bunch of things, and then headed over to the front of the park where the tour starts. And they call it a lounge. It's really just a waiting area. There were waters, there were nice, nice seats. And we sat down and we were out of the heat for a little bit able to um, kick up our heels. Like it was nice. They had, a, you know, a bathroom that we could use, which is always a nice thing when you can use a bathroom designated for you. And our tour guide came over and he was so much fun. His name was Sean. He was amazing. He was a young guy. He had a lot of energy and he was able to ask us answer all the questions that we had. So the first thing that happens is um, they gather you up and they take you to dinner and it is in um, a different area of the park, like not far. And you sit down and you have this big buffet dinner and it's yummy. There was vegetables and salmon and prime rib and a lot of it I don't eat because I don't eat meat, but there was still a ton that I could eat. Um, they had little uh, bite-sized cheesecakes that they called, um, I think they call them psycho cheesecakes. They had a red syrup on it, like blood with a little like Kit Kat cleaver or knife plunged into the cheesecake. They had sugar cookies that were in the shapes of witches' hats and ghosts and pumpkins, bottles of water, cans of soda, uh, coffee. It just was wonderful. Like my mouth is watering as, as I'm thinking about it. A big thing of like warm mashed potatoes, uh, roasted potatoes, kind of like comfort food, basically. Um, some macaroni and cheese, like things like that. So we fill up, you know, we have this great dinner and they give you an hour so you really can relax. And we were just sitting and relaxing and talking about the evening. And then you meet your tour guide outside. And we were in a tour of about 10 people. So there was the four of us, another family of four, and then two other people who um, were singles. And they tell you, you can leave the tour at any time. And and, and I'll, sometimes when I hear tour, I think boring, like I don't really know what that is. But really all it was, was taking you in a very organized fashion through the park. And um, beyond the tour, you also had your own entrance to all the mazes. They had an RIP entrance. So it wasn't the regular maze entrance. It wasn't the um, um, express line, the front of the line, it was a special entrance that just literally took you up to the front. And also when, um, 
you do Halloween Horror Nights. Regular Universal has a tram that gives a tour. And some Halloween Horror Nights has it, some doesn't, where you get on a tram and you go to an area and you walk around and there's a bunch of stuff going on. Like you walk past Bates Motel, which is always there, and you walk past the um, Bates House and through the crash site from uh, War of the Worlds, the Tom Cruise movie, which they deck out for Halloween. In a previous year when I did it, they had it all Chucky this year was The Purge, and it was really fun. And so we go down, he takes us to the tram, and I'm expecting to get on one of the regular trams with the hard seats and all the people. And we just keep walking. Like we're walking, we walk around this corner. I'm like, where are we going? You know, and it, he brings us to basically a private tram, it's more like a bus. Um, it was just the 10 of us from our group, padded seats, um, water bottles, just comfort. And they drive us to our area and they say, oh, you can leave your things on the um, tram too. Like this is our tram for tonight. I took my purse with me. I didn't feel comfortable with leaving that. But um, as I started to get a little bit warmer, um, even though it was dark, it was still kind of warm. I think from all the walking, we um, ended up um, leaving our jackets and water bottles and things like that. So that was super nice. And then we get back into the into our tram, and I expect that's it. But then he, it drives us around to different mazes. So it cut out a bunch of the walking, and it was just comfortable. And while we were on it, they played some clips from the new... Chucky TV show that's coming out on sci-fi and it was great and then it drove us to the lower lot so we didn't have to take the elevators all the way down we did take them up but we didn't have to take them down and um, if you've ever gone to Universal there's elevators that take you up and down from the lower lot I'm sorry I'm saying elevators but I mean escalators escalators it's like four huge ones and you're on them for about 20 minutes. It just takes forever. There are stairs right next to it. But with all the walking that you do, I wouldn't recommend taking the stairs. Um, and I don't really think it would save you any time. So we get driven to the lower lot. And we start doing the mazes that are down there. And that was the end of it for our tram. And then they take us back. You know, we take the escalator up to the top. And we do the rest of the mazes that are up there. You can stop and do rides. And the whole time the tour guy is just amazing. And then um, there's a show, the Jabberwockies, which are the the dancing show with the white masks and the, and they do like hip hop and um, very cool. It They've been on, um, I think you, th I th you think you can dance or America's dance contest, like one of those. And now there's um, touring groups that go around, including on Halloween Horror Nights, they do a show. It was always a show I could never get anyone to go to with me, and I finally got to see it for the first time two years ago at the last Halloween Horror Nights that I went to. I just broke off from the people that I was with while they went and did rides, and then I went and saw the show. And um, this time on the tour, they, they seat you right in the front, um, in special VIP seating 
and um, and then that's the end of the tour. That's it. But you can, after that, you can go back to where you had dinner and there's desserts and coffee. And afterwards, um, my sister-in-law and I sat and had desserts and coffee and the two girls ran and did a few rides and then they came back and that was it and that was the night. And it was amazing. Like it was a wonderful, it was so much fun. Like it was just so glorious having the tour not needing to think about where we were going not needing to find food was a big thing because I noticed when we passed every food booth they were either closed or there were 30 to 40 people in the line I don't know how we would have eaten and you get crabby doing these I know it sounds crazy because it's like I'm at a theme park I'm having a great time but you you were end up starving <laughs> and if you go on a ride and there's like a little bit of motion and you haven't eaten at least for me I start to feel sick so um you know you just want to make sure you're hydrated and have something in your stomach preferably something like a little carby like fries are always good or a churro just so you don't have that empty stomach feeling so it was great. I highly, highly recommend doing this, especially if you love horror-themed things. If you love Halloween, this will be very fun. I will say this as a, I guess, a bit of a complaint, which is even though it's been two years since the last one and I feel they should have come in like very fresh, the mazes felt a bit recycled and not as beautiful as mazes in the past. There have been some that I have gone through that have looked like works of art. The Shining was so great. The Us Maze was so great. Um, they did Universal Monsters a few um, years back, and it was like walking through a painting. And this time around, I noticed, um, you know, like for The Exorcist, it was basically the, it was basically Stranger Things from a couple of years ago revamped for The Exorcist. I was so excited about The Haunting of Hill House, which was one of my all-time favorite limited series. And of all the beauty of the show, The Haunting of Hill House, they focused on one or two scary moments and kind of recycled them through the maze. It was good, but not great. And um, that would be, I guess, one of my complaints about it. It just seemed a little rushed maybe. Oh, and here's the thing that I, I'll tell you I enjoyed the most and was wondering as, as this approached if it was going to happen. So every year that I have gone, when you go through these mazes, as you go from room to room, they hang these car wash flaps that you have to push through. And it's just a pain and they always feel so gross to me because you know everyone's face and hands are hitting these car wash flat, flaps like thousands of times every night and then you have to put your hands on it or push with your shoulder and it just always felt gross to me and they always felt grimy. They don't exist now. They are just gone, I'm guessing, because they don't want COVID germs all over it and that was great. The, I probably sound a little bit more complainy than I mean to, but the other thing is that in California, they're still having the mask mandates. So indoor and outdoor throughout Universal, there was masks. It made for a long night. You know, it's was a tiny bit chilly at night, 
but with the amount of people that were there and there were thousands and thousands and thousands of people they were people everywhere um it was it didn't get cold in there and if you were in in i can understand the mask like inside the haunted house there's the actors and things like that still you know not great but i can understand more outside was just crazy it just made me feel oily and hot the whole night so that was halloween horror nights so beyond besides that i wanted to talk about daily routines I rely on daily routines so much. And when my daily routine is thrown off, I feel very thrown off. And this week, there was a couple of days where, you know, those days where it just feels like your day is spiraling. You wake up early, you're trying to get stuff done, you can't get it done, you're walking out the door late. You have back-to-back appointments. I had three days this week where I had appointments that went from the beginning of the day till the end of the day. Multiple court hearings. On Thursday, here's an example. I had three court hearings and a bunch of hearing or a bunch of meetings built in between. And I was supposed to, here was a blessing, I was supposed to have to go to court in person on Thursday morning, which would have meant my second hearing I would have been doing in the hall. And then that he, all my hearings were virtual. So it makes it more manageable in a way. Although I was just having this discussion with another attorney where even though the vast majority of our hearings are telephonic or on Microsoft Teams, I'm still running all the time. Everything is backing up onto everything. Um, Judges are putting hearings kind of everywhere because I don't think they're expecting as much conflicts because uh, people are doing them virtually. But I'm starting to have just things be back to back to back. And it makes it a really, really difficult day. So what am I doing to try to combat this? Oh, let me go back to my full moon thing. So there was a day where the phone rang off the hook. We were getting requests for things that we don't do. And when we said we don't do them, we're received received angry um, comments back. On Tuesday, we got several calls for a quote-unquote walk-in notary service. We're not a notary service at all. It's... I got to the point where I checked my website because I thought that my webmaster had changed the language in my website and thrown off my keywords because we were getting so many calls for notaries. Um, And then later I found out that my legal assistant Googled Anthem Notary Services to see if we were coming up because it just didn't make any sense. And, and it, it turns out it just was a coincidence. Like it was a day where lots of people called. But in my mind, I thought, is it a full moon? And it was uh, like two days before a full moon. So a very, very full moon. And then I looked that up. I said, is there any truth to things going crazy during a full moon? And at least the internet says no. But as a um, 
I don't know, just as like what typically happens to me is when things start to feel really, really crazy, I'll look up in the sky and it'll be a full moon. And I've heard other people say this as well. Um, I've heard people who work in emergency rooms say the emergency rooms go crazy. So I don't know. But as an experience for me, things will go crazy. So I just had like this general overall anxiety that day. Like the, just the phone was ringing and, and, and people wanted things like immediately and people wanted to come in for appointments like that day or that week. And, and basically what, sometimes I can get people in really quick. And I think a lot more than other people because I work really hard to try to help people. But sometimes I can't. And so I was gone on Thursday and Friday of last week. So I was already behind the ball. So by the time I got back to work on Monday, my whole week was pretty much scheduled, especially with court, like court I can't control. So I was scheduled for the whole week. And people were trying to get in for that week. And I said, I can't get you in this week, I can get you in next Monday. And some people scheduled and some people said, well, I'll try to find someone else. So I just had like all this anxiety of trying to deal with scheduling. So what can you do? Oh, and here's I wanted to throw out the statistic, which I think I may have thrown out in prior podcasts. But to this day floors me is that a person who I, and I don't know exactly who they, um, who, who, who was part of this study, but I, I'm guessing it has to do with people who regularly work with email. So if you work in, in, in a setting where you regularly use email, a lot of people who work in that situation, so me, I'm guessing doctor's offices, probably a lot of contractors, people who work in government offices, they are on their email five hours per day on weekdays. And I believe it. I am on email so much. And it usually starts with the morning. I'll check my email in the morning if I can and try to get through the emails from the night before, which are generally between 100 and 200 emails. And then I take chunks of time during the day to look at email. And I wish I could just say, oh, I can look at it at 8 o'clock and I can work look at it at 3 o'clock and that's it. I have found that doesn't work when I have a chance to look through it and clean it up and get it answered even if it's to say, I saw your email and I'll answer it tomorrow, I need some time with it, I'll do that. Because what happens is people email you and when they don't have a response back in say 30 minutes, they call you and said that they emailed you. So then I'm getting backed up on calls. So I'm just trying to stay on top of email all the time. So five hours per day is what people are working on emails. So how do you keep that how do you keep a daily routine for that? So a couple of things. Um, I try to take a walk every day because it just clears my head. The weather is finally nice enough to do that. I miss walks during the summer so much. There's when, when it hits August and September, 
there's not a great time for it. Sometimes you can go really, really early in the morning. Evenings don't generally work. Those are still hot. And this time of year when you have nicer mornings, you can, sometimes you can even get a walk in midday. Um, it's still a little hot, um, but it's getting better. Like we're, we're like 80 or 90 right now, which isn't too bad. And then the evenings are great. Like as the sun starts to set or when the sun still has just set, take a walk. It clears my head. It gets me organized. I have a list of projects that I carry with me all the time. So I do a multi-calendaring list, which is part of my routine and for managing the chaos. So my main calendar is on my computer, which is now on my phone. I know that I've said this before, but for years I did not keep my schedule did not keep my calendar on my phone. I didn't have that transferred over. It was only on my Outlook at my desktop, which I could log into, but it wasn't on my phone per se. I would have to log in to get into it. And then it would just be Outlook. It wouldn't be like the calendar on Apple. So several months ago, someone who helps me with IT um, because I was having major problems with storage space and Outlook on the server that I was using. And he switched me over to a secure cloud-based system that I pay for monthly. And it's so well, so well worth the money. First of all, it opened up functions in Outlook for me and allows me to have my calendar on my phone, which becomes just so much more easier to manage. Like for instance, if I am in court, I can easily check the dates. But even though I do all of that, I still print out six months of calendar sheets so I can look at six months laid out. I guess this means I'm visual. <laughs> so I can look at six months laid out and just see what it looks like. Is there a time where I can get in a vacation? Do I have a jury trial coming up? Do I have a week that is particularly busy with evidentiary hearings? Um, what holidays are coming up? What birthdays are coming up? And you can just look at it six months in advance. And I know that sounds crazy because that's half a year, but that's just how quickly things move and change. And then what I'll also do is so for a day, if I end up having a day where it's, you know, one or two things, I may not print out a day calendar, but I will regularly print out a one day calendar. So say October 23rd, it prints out all of my appointments and I just carry that sheet around with me all day. And on Outlook, when you print it out, in the right-hand column, it has a column for notes. And in the column for notes, I will write down the projects that I'm working on for that day. So for instance, this weekend, I was needed to write, need to write a memo, which I did last night. I need to write a complaint, which I'll do over the weekend, and I have transcripts to read. So those are written down on a calendar page for the weekend. And it just reminds me that I have those projects. I try not to put a million projects on it because you're going to get overwhelmed. If you're 
if you're doing projects that are um, bigger projects, you're going to have to single them out to no more than three. If you write down a to-do list of 45 things that you have to do, you're not going to get them done. If it's a small list of like, you need to register on a website, those things are fine. But if you are working on projects, make it two or three at the most. Okay. Um, what else do I do to um, manage the chaos? I try to schedule things that are enjoyable. And it doesn't need to be formally done. But for instance, maybe what I'll do is um, before I get into the shower, if I realize I've, you know, 15 minutes before I have to get into the shower and get ready for work, I might sit in my comfy chair and read a book for 15 minutes. Doing that just gives me that brief burst of pleasure before all the craziness begins. Another thing that I'm, I'm trying to get in there is also putting in like little pleasurable things in between the obligations. So I've always um, either worked or read when I've gotten a pedicure. I get a pedicure about every two weeks. So much more. So the pedicure is enjoyable anyways. But if I'm able to read a transcript during the hour that I'm getting a pedicure, I've actually gotten a little bit of work done while I'm doing something fun. So sometimes trying to do that combo thing can be helpful. This week I had a doctor's appointment, which I have to tell you, I'm like jumping for joy right now because it was just a successful doctor's appointment. I have um, hip bursitis in my left hip and I've gotten... Um, cortisone shots in the spot. And it is really a centralized spot. The first time I got the shot was in March. And they hit it like right where the pain was. And for about three months, I felt like I could run a marathon. And then it faded. And my doctor will do the shots every uh, three months. And I was getting them in two spots, uh, my SI joint and the ball of my hip. Um, and then in June, I went back for another series of shots. And this time it didn't, I don't know what else to say besides it didn't take, it didn't hit the right spot. And the first time when I got it, getting the shot was very painful. And the physician assistant said, oh, that means we're getting it. Because you start to get worried, you know, if you're like, hey, am I supposed to be feeling all this pain? Because I always tell you, tell, tell us what you're feeling. Is that, you know, are you going to collapse or anything like that? So this time I went in and it was a, a different person. And he asked if I usually get the shots laying down or standing up. And I said, standing up. He goes, I'll give it to you that way. And I said, can I ask for a favor? I said, can I lay down for the shot? Because I thought said, I think I really can show you where the painful spot is if I'm able to lay on my side and kind of cross a leg over the other. And he was like, sure. It was so amazing. <laughs> they got right into that very painful ball of my hip. And um, it's feeling really good. A little bit of twinging, but not much. And I skipped the shot in my SI joint 
which wasn't feeling as bad as this um, spot in my hip. So for the last couple of days, I've really felt great and I've been able to sleep on that side and I've been sleeping really deeply. Um, and so that's, you know, given me a bit of energy too, which is another thing is when you're trying to manage your chaos, make sure you're taking care of yourself. It's a very, very important. I was getting just rubbed into the ground just feeling awful because of this hip pain. It just was always there, always bugging me. It got to the point where like an Aleve or an ibuprofen wasn't helping, just nothing was was helping me. So the reason why I bring up this appointment and for, for a couple of reasons, one, I can't stop talking about it because I felt so good for the last couple of days. The other reason is um, afterwards, so my my sister-in-law needed um, and something picked up from an hall, a hallmark near my doctor's appointment. And I said, you know, I can pick it up, but my doctor's appointment is early. And she said, well, if you're not going to be out there, don't worry about it. And then I thought, you know what I'm going to do? This doctor's appointment is so early and my appointments are scheduled for the afternoon. I'm going to sit and enjoy breakfast. And I brought with me transcripts that I needed to read. So I brought with me um, my transcripts, I brought with me my calendar to get organized for the rest of the week. And I went to this place called Squeeze, I think it was called Squeeze or Squeeze AM. And they had this wonderful roasted vegetable breakfast, and these huge mugs for coffee. And I got a freshly squeezed orange juice. And I just kind of sat and enjoyed. I didn't linger too long, but it was so lovely to do that. And it felt like the biggest treat of my life, which I know sounds crazy. And then afterwards, I had spent enough time where I was able to go and get the item she needed and then got back to the office. And I was back to the office by probably, I don't know, 1030 or 11. So I was still there plenty early. And had a nice breakfast and actually got some work done. Okay, the other thing is for handling your daily routine is getting work done. That is something that is so difficult for for so many of us. Between the phone calls and the emails and the physical mail to a certain extent, although probably not so much anymore, although I will have days where a ton of things will come in the mail and I, and they have to be handled or organized or filed or processed or whatever the case may be. So push all that aside. Like those are the things that, that have to be done. You have to really keep on top of them. What about, and then of course, like your, your meetings and for me as court hearings, push all that aside. I still have work to do. I still have complaints that I have to write, briefs that I have to write, work that I need to review that has been done by my staff. Like, when do you do this? You have to set aside time to do it. So sometimes I'll go into my office and I'll shut my door and I'll put my phone on do not disturb and I'll just cram through it. I, I will admit that getting work done at the office 
is often not very productive. It just doesn't work. So sometimes I will just take a stack of work home and then that evening when I'm on my bed or sitting on my bed or maybe watching TV, and I, I know I've said this before, it's watching TV when I really don't need to to be watching it, like not a show that I'm into where I need to follow the plot. It's like putting on an old scary movie and just letting it play while I'm doing my work. And, and my oldest daughter's in college right now, so we'll often sit on the couch together. She's doing her work, I'm doing my work, and we're just getting through through things. So setting aside that time to get work done. Um, getting up early. I'm reading a book right now, uh, The 5 a.m. Club. And it there's lots of books like this, actually, which is basically recapturing your morning. It's October 23rd as I record this. Capturing my morning is getting harder and harder every single day that it gets darker and darker. I need the sunlight. So during the summer, it's really easy for me. I'm getting up before five because the sun is coming up. I'm not feeling tired until the sun goes down, which is closer to nine. Now the sun is up around 6.30 and it's set by six and 6 p.m., rolls around and I'm ready to go to bed. So if you can get up early and capture a little bit of that time in the morning, that's good as well. Uh, Looking at my notes. All right, I think that kind of wraps it up on uh, daily routines to manage chaos and manage your burnout. And and I'll tell you this, just as a way to wrap it up. If you can manage that chaos, it also helps with the burnout because when you have a day that's very chaotic, and I'm not saying anything that's a surprise to anyone else, at the end of the day, you feel like you have been run over. You are so burned out. And when you do feel like that, my recommendation is to not burn the midnight oil and try to get a bunch of stuff done. Go to sleep. And start fresh the next day, if you can. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes you have to stay up late and get that project done. But if you can go to sleep and start fresh, do that again. All right. So a, a little bit of a um, announcement. Next week, I'm flying to L.A. to be on the Film Vault. I've mentioned this podcast before. My very, very good friends, Anderson Cowan and Brian Bishop, who run the Film Vault. It's a great podcast for figuring out what to watch. They sometimes watch very obscure movies, um, some foreign movies and documentaries, and always come up with really interesting picks and interesting um, ways of looking at the movies like I enjoy them so much I enjoy them as people they've been so kind to me and they invited me next week to be on the Halloween episode I chose the topic it's top five corpses I'm very very excited about it I'll tell you this I've been working on the list it is hard to nail those down there are a lot of great corpses in movies that have a very um 
not not scary, not always scary. So even though this is for Halloween, some of my picks don't have anything to do with a scary movie, but a corpse can come in a movie and things can get very, um, can get modified in, in many ways. Okay. Um, I've been talking for almost an hour, so I'll just do a quick movie review um, for Halloween Kills. Halloween Kills is the sequel to last, oh, I guess it's been a couple years now, two or three years, the reboot to Halloween. I did not enjoy that first Halloween. It was fine. It does not hold up um, with Halloween lore, like the the lore of the Halloween movies, they try to switch it up, which is a fun thing to do. And I enjoy that. But it also made it where a lot of the movie doesn't make sense. I know that sounds crazy. How can a horror movie make sense? But in my mind, there's just certain things that make sense and certain things that don't. So it was just kind of fine. This sequel was really good. It had a lot of surprises. It wasn't a movie that was all about Jamie Lee Curtis's character. There was a ton of characters. I don't want to spoil it because if you see it, there's just so much going on. Anthony Michael Hall was in it. If you remember him from um, The Breakfast Club where he was a child, now he's an an older man. He was in it. Um, There was some uh, good comedy. There was some killings that were like very heart-wrenching and during the movie, I said, Michael Myers is a big fat jerk. Like he was just very, he was very cruel. You know, a lot of times in these movies, it's like they kill the people. You never like think about it, but it was like heart wrenching um, that, you know, the, the characters that even though they were on the screen for a short period of time, you were starting to enjoy them and boom, they're gone. A documentary that I saw, um, it's on HBO Max, What Happened, Brittany Murphy. She was an actress um, who was in Clueless when she was younger and then a bunch of movies. And then she died when she was 32 under mysterious circumstances. And I've always wondered about her. She just seemed like a sweet person. And um, her. there's nothing more that I can say is that her death was mysterious. And watch the documentary and it becomes even more odd what um, you learn and very, very sad. If you're looking for something to watch on Netflix, I would recommend Midnight Mass. It was done by the creators of The Haunting of Hill House and The Haunting of Bly Manor. It, I guess it's not technically in that series, although The Haunting of Hill House and The Haunting of Bly Manor are two separate things, obviously. So in my mind, I just considered it like their third offering, but I guess it's considered something different. It, I haven't stopped thinking about this show. It, it has very, um, very unusual things that happen. It talks a lot about religion. Um, it talks a lot about religion going too far or, it being used in a way that it probably shouldn't be used. There's a supernatural scary element to it. Um, There's a lot of people who are dealing with regret. It talks about addiction. It just has a ton going on in the show. And um, 
a main character that I really liked. And oh gosh, I don't even want to say more because um, it just was kind of shocking what happens about midway in the show. And I just haven't stopped thinking about it. I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, it's not like the laugh fest of the year. Um, it has some very sad parts. And, um, but I just haven't stopped thinking about it. There was so much that was put into the show. And I don't really know anyone else who's watching it. But I highly recommend it. Last night, I went to the movies and finally saw uh, Shang-Chi, the Marvel movie. One of my favorite Marvel movies. The beginning was so funny. And the action moved at a, a fast clip. The action was fun. If I had a complaint about it, it would be the last 20 minutes dragged a little bit. There was an after the um, credits scene that was very good. There was two after the credit scenes. Um, one very good. The other one, like a meh, like it was fine. Um, a, a couple of surprises from the Marvel Universe, but they didn't bring in like any of the major Avengers or anything like that. This was very much like a standalone movie with nods to other uh, Marvel movies. So very, very good. And it looks like uh, Shang-Chi will be part of um, maybe like a new set of Avengers is kind of where I felt it might be going. But he was such a fun character. And Aquafina is also in this movie. And she was hilarious. I love her and everything that she does. I highly, highly recommend this movie. It took me forever to go see it because I have just not been able to get to the movies. But it was great. Okay, I'm going to wrap it up for today. I've been talking for a whole hour. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for reaching out to me and letting me know that you're listening. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes under Florence Legally Burnett, Bonafide Legal Podcast. You can find me on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram under Florence Legally Burnett. You can find me on Facebook under my name and under my law office and my website is brummerlaw.com the website is also on patreon look forward to speaking at you in the next two weeks thanks bye-bye